Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. Warm? Warm enough? Let me talk just a minute about uh, the greatest gift offering and, and add just a couple things to what Pastor Norm was saying. Um, you just heard from uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Oscar, and I've, I know Oscar. He's been in the banking world, and he's come out of banking now. Well, he's still doing some banking, but he's really been called out of that to be a, in full-time ministry and now lead the, the Urban Ministry Institute to me in Honduras, and uh, he, I wish he could be here. I wish you could all go and meet him and meet his family and see what an incredible leader he is as God has called him out of the banking world and into ministry to train other church planters, other leaders, other pastors in the, in the country of Honduras. Uh, we'll soon expand to me the Urban Ministry Institute training, which is a seminary-level training into Nicaragua. Uh, we have 13 churches in Nicaragua, many of them now, the, the pastors there, some of their leaders will be able to, to receive this seminary-level training. That's what's just some of the things that are happening in, in Central America. Pastor uh, Marlone will be here in a few weeks from Nicaragua. You'll get to hear from him. He'll give you a more specific update on what's happening. All of these things happen because of the greatest gift offering. All of these things happen because you, over the last several years, have given generously over and above your tithes for offering. There's a difference, you know, between tithes and offerings, right? Our tithe is what we return to God that belongs to Him. We do that every time we get paid. Everybody tracking with me? And our offering is something over and above our tithes and offerings. So please don't get that confused. If you just give to the greatest gift, your tithe, it's not an offering. It's just taking from the ministry and, and giving to mission. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about giving generously because God has given generously to us. He gave us his greatest gift in Jesus Christ, right? And so every year, in fact, Kathy and I pray about this every year for the last many, many years. We've done this. Even before we started doing this as a church, Kathy and I did this every year. And we pray about it every year to see what God would have us give and we tell our kids, we've told our kids for years, even when they were young, we told them, you're not going to get the biggest gift this year. The biggest gift goes to Jesus because it's his birthday, right? And that's what and we've done that to train them so that they know why we celebrate Christmas. We give the biggest gift to Jesus every year, and we're praying about what we'll do this year. Uh, those gifts, those, those resources go to uh, 70 or 80,000 churches and church leaders in India through the India Gospel League. They go to another ministry in India called uh, Christ Gospel Mission located in Hyderabad, India. We have a couple who trained uh, on, for, for medicine here. She's a surgeon. He's a general practitioner. Kevin and Katie Raymer trained here in Wichita, moved to now to India, in northern India. We help support them. Um, another couple, family that lived here, uh, Jerry and Brianna Hurd and their kids lived here. She was part of our staff for a while. God called them to full-time mission, and now they live in Kenya. We've, tr we've supported them for a while. I'm just scratching the service, surface of what the resources of what uh, greatest gift offering goes to. Hope Ranch for Women. We'll continue to try to uh, give you updates and video and so over the next few weeks so that you can get a report on what God's done with the resources you have generously given. Uh, most of the resources that are given through Greatest Gift, we, we allocate 
to these ministry partners so that they can do ministry and, and God multiplies those resources in amazing and miraculous ways and we just we just get to see a, a, a very small fraction of what happens because of those resources. So thank you in advance. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being generous. And thank you for praying about that so that we can look forward to continuing to celebrate what God's doing through those, those resources. I want to talk this morning about giving thanks. Anybody thankful here? Most of us, I think, are, have lots of reasons to be thankful, don't we? Uh, we're incredibly thankful for what God has given us, what he continues, the ways he continues to bless us. First, let me say how thankful I am for all of you. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're a part of this family, part of this body of Christ. I'm thankful for everything God has done for us. I'm thankful for the way he moves and works and transforms our lives. I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for each one of you. Uh, for the way you serve, for the way you tithe faithfully, those of you who tithe, for the way you, you give generously, those of you who give. I'm incredibly thankful. I'm thankful for those uh, on our team that served over the last few weeks as I was able to be, be away to Israel. Uh, so thankful for the team that served and filled the gaps and, and took care of everything so well while we were gone. I'm thankful for Dr. Don Davis. Were you, any of you here uh, when Dr. Davis came and preached? I listened to his message this week. I, I, I just hit repeat, and he'll listen to it one more time. Um, if you haven't listened to that message yet, download our app, go online, and listen to his message. It's one I need to listen to about once a week or so. I met, I saw him uh, Thursday night at the citywide prayer gathering. I said, uh, Don, we need to send you a huge check or something so that we can just you know thank you for giving uh, the way you serve us. And I'm so thankful for him, for Pastor Robert, who preached while I was away. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about a pastor that I met and spent a little bit of time with while, while I was in Israel. I, I, one, I've got two or three reasons I want to share this story with you. His name is, is Pastor Israel, pretty good name for a guy who lives in Israel, isn't it? Pastor Israel Pakhtar, and he and his wife and family lead a church in Ashdod, Israel. Um, I want to show you a video of his in just a moment, so get that queued up and get the, uh, the sound and everything ready for that in just a little bit. Um, I laugh because that didn't work quite that well in 9 o'clock. Um, Pastor Israel is, it does ministry in one of the most difficult places on the planet. He lives in Ashdod, which is a city that is primarily Orthodox Jews. Uh, about 850,000 Orthodox Jews in Israel, uh, several of them. Most They, they live in, primarily in J Jerusalem, in Ashdod, in Tiberias. And in several, in, in just a few cities, there's a, con a concentration of Orthodox Jews. Orthodox, in this case, Orthodox Jews actually hate Christians with a passion. They hate them. Uh, I'm, not, I wouldn't, I'm not making a general statement. I'm just saying that in this case, that's the way it works. And for those who live in Ashdod, they want all evangelical Christians to be out of town. They call them missionaries, which is an epithet. It's a, it's a horrible thing. They've made posters of Pastor Israel and his wife and put them all over town and said, run these missionaries out of our city. We want them gone. Uh, don't do business with them. Don't sell groceries to them. Don't sell gasoline to them. Don't, don't have anything to do with them except to run them out of town. They've done demonstrations where thousands, I saw the pictures in the videos, thousands 
of Orthodox Jews have shown up at the church location to demonstrate, to cast curses, to pray against the work of the ministry of, of Pastor Israel. I want to show you a video and his picture so that you can know him, but I want you to notice how thankful he is for what God has done in the midst of the persecution he faces. Let's watch. Shalom, my name is Israel Pochter. Welcome to Israel Ashdod. Uh, we at our local Beit Halel congregation, a church in city of Ashdod. And uh, uh, we preaching the gospel, reaching out to the lost, and uh, many people get saved and we are growing. Uh, we became biggest church in the area. And as a result of that, we have lots of persecutions for a religious Orthodox community who come in to protest us and trying to intimidate people, following us and making my posters with my home address and my wife's picture as well on the walls and all kind of uh, persecutions. But praise God, he's good. And uh, even in the middle of persecutions, he uh, building his church, he rising up people and changes are coming and openness is growing today in Israel and in our city. Now, uh, one of the big part what we do as a congregation, we uh, not only reaching the lost, but also helping poor and needy new immigrants. And that's became great way for the gospel because uh, we're helping people, taking care of them, loving them. And uh, eventually they come in closer to the, to the Lord and they want, they want to know the truth. And uh, we just got a new building, probably going to show you. A bigger building that's rental. The new one is ours, and we're going to renovate it. And uh, nobody could stop us because God is doing new things in Israel. So when you're around, come to visit and pray for us and stand with us. Great. He was showing me on his phone. Um, he stands on. He has an apartment there in Ashdod, and he, he occasionally will stand on his apartment uh, balcony out front and take video pictures of missiles flying out of uh, the from the Hamas in Gaza Strip, which is just south of him, and they'll fly out in front of their home and the Iron Dome from Israel, the interceptor missiles from the military will intercept those missiles right in front of their house. I say, you know, we have, we have fireworks at our house. Uh, at your house, it's a war. And, you know, so he's capturing these photos and the the uh, air sirens are going on, and he says occasionally, he showed us the, <clears throat> in fact, let's, let's see the picture, you have that. Uh, this is the entrance to their current building, and just next door is the, the new building they've been able to purchase with the help of many other churches, and, uh, but right behind us is the entrance to the bomb shelter, which is normal for every building in Israel. They have a bomb shelter and a gas evacuation system in case one of those bombs is carrying chemical weapons, so that's just normal for them. That's the world they live in. And he is incredibly thankful for everything God. See, we don't know how much to be thankful for, do we? Aren't we blessed? Aren't we amazingly blessed in such incredible ways here in our world? So, so why are you thankful? You ever thought about that? Why are you thankful? So I think it's important for us to to, to be reminded of not of the, only the importance of being thankful, but why are we thankful? Uh, you know, aren't we thankful to God because he's the source of everything? We have to be, this is really important that we make certain we understand this. Because it'd be, it'd be easy to be thankful for, you know, the, the things that we do or the things that we think we accomplish. But the reality is 
God is the source of everything, isn't he? Don't we all agree with that? It reminded me this week of a story. I was talking to Pastor Norm about this. He reminded me of this story when uh, one time a, uh, a, a scientist challenged God to a, uh, a, a contest. And he said, God, I can make a human being too. And, you know, that's no big deal. And so God said, well, let's, let's see what you have. And he said, well, let me just get some dirt. And God said, no, whoa, 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 whoa. You get your own dirt. I made that dirt. You make dirt, then you can make a human being. And so it's obviously a fictitious story, but it makes a point, doesn't it? God's the source. God's the source of everything. It's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to remember why we have so many reasons to be thankful. If you have your outline, follow along with me. You want to fill this in. <clears throat> I want to talk about the key to thanksgiving or the key to thanks living. We're in Thanksgiving week. I want to encourage us to be thankful all week long. And the beginning of that is to be is to learn to receive. The beginning of thanks living is to learn to receive. We need to receive before we can understand the significance of thanksgiving, we need to first understand the significance of receiving. In a few weeks, I'll tell you about a word God gave me when I was sitting in our trip to Israel. I was sitting on the Mount of Olives for just a few minutes as we walked uh, down the Mount of Olives, down the hillside into the Garden of Gethsemane, and then eventually across the Kidron Valley and into the city of Jerusalem. The same path Jesus walked as he walked into the city on Palm Sunday. I, we st- stopped and spent just a few minutes together, and I told everybody, you can take some time to pray or whatever you'd like to do. And I just sat there and listened, and I asked God, God, do you have anything you want to say to me? God said three simple words. He said, be my son. Be my son. Now, I'll unpack that for you some other time, but that has been a significant thing for me to just process over the last couple of weeks or so, the significance of what God's saying to me. And the reason I share that with you is because everything that matters to me, everything that's important, everything that's ever changed my life, everything that's going to matter for an eternity has been given to me by God. It's not something I've done. It's not something I'm able to do. It's been given to me by God himself. I can get excited about a lot of things, but I can only be truly thankful and I can only have a reason to, be, to live a life of thanksgiving because of what God's done. Uh, last week, Pastor Norm talked about the fact that we visited a place called Shiloh. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 18. We'll read a passage there in a moment as you get there. But let me explain what happened at Shiloh. Shiloh, in fact, we have a picture of it here. We'll read this passage in a, in a moment. When, we, when the people of God moved from the, from the wilderness that they'd been traveling in for 40 years, finally moved across the Jordan River and conquered all of the cities that was necessary to conquer, they took the tabernacle and they set it up on this hill right here in front of us where that excavation is happening, this right in the foreground of the picture. They set up the tabernacle that they'd been using in the wilderness on that spot. And they were there for 369 years continued to return to Shiloh. And 
up to two million people. Can you picture them on this hillside in the distance there? All the way around the hillside or the hilltop of Shiloh are hillsides like that one. And they would bring their sacrifice to the tabernacle. They would sacrifice. A third of it would be consumed in the sacrifice. A third of it would be given to the Levites. And a third of it would be kept for the family. And they would take it in tribal and family units. And they would go to a hillside somewhere. And they would sit within, within sight of Shiloh, within sight of the presence of God. The presence of God dwelt in the tabernacle. And they would sit and, and look at the presence of God and share that Passover meal together for 369 years. Now, why, did, why was that so significant? Let's read the passage so you have some context here. In Joshua 18, verse 1, the whole congregation, up to two million people of the sons of Israel, assembled themselves at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there, right there on that hilltop you just saw in the picture, and the land was subdued before them. The land was subdued before them. What's that mean? It means that God gave them the ability to, to take the land, to receive the land for themselves. This wasn't something they had the ability to do on their own. This wasn't, they, they were able to move into a land, set up farming practices, move into houses that they did not build. They picked from vineyards they did not plant. They planted gardens in areas that they didn't prepare, and they drank from wells they did not dig. Now, you can't understand, you can't fully appreciate the significance of that unless you live in antiquity where you can't possibly live unless you have a well. You can't live unless you have a place to go for protection. You can't live, you can't survive any other way. So, God gave them the land. And as a result, out of thanksgiving and out of devotion to God, they would come every year and gather at Shiloh and bring their sacrifices. Now, when they brought their sacrifices to God, this was the way they draw, drew near to God. They would bring their best sheep, their best lambs, their best goats, their best grain. They would bring the top 10% of all of the olive oil that they crushed out of the olive seeds as it would rise to the top the very best. The virgin olive oil was at the top. The top 10% would be brought to this place. Now, let me ask you a question. Did God need their sacrifice? No, he didn't need that at all, did he? I mean, does God need a stinky goat? No. God doesn't need a lamb. God doesn't need any grain. God doesn't need anything. So why is it so important that they gather together and they bring their sacrifice? Because they're returning to God what belongs to him. And as they draw near to him, he draws near to them. Bringing a sacrifice is drawing near. And the promise of God, listen carefully. The promise of God is when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. That's why we, what we do here on Sunday morning is so incredibly important. Every time we gather together and we gather together as a group of people, as a family of God, we gather and we worship to draw near together to God. And He is here in the midst of us. It's a lot more exciting than what you're reacting to. It's just, I'm just saying. <clears throat> James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God. This is the brother of Jesus saying this. 
draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's something we all want, isn't it? Everybody else? What about everybody else? Is that something we all want? Everybody wants that, right? It's an incredible promise from God. Think about it. As we begin our celebration of the birth of Jesus, why do we celebrate such an amazing event? It's because the Bible tells us God comes near to us. That's why we celebrate Christmas time. In Isaiah chapter 9, we'll read this again during the Christmas season. It says, in Isaiah 9, verse 2, it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, light will shine on them. Why are people walking in darkness? It's because God is not with them. Because wherever God is, there is light. Wherever God is, there is life. If you're walking in darkness, if you have dark days, it's because God is not close to you. You have not drawn close to God. Right? That's why we celebrate. Because God came to us. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says, A child will be born to us. The Son of God will be what? Say it with me. Will be given to us. We get to receive. We have to learn to receive what has been given to us. And when we do, it changes everything. It goes on to say, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's who he is. Talk about the importance of names, the significance of identity. That's who we've been given. You know I couldn't get much out of 9 o'clock either. I thought, sure, you'd get more fired up about this. God makes the first move, friends. He's done all the work. All we have to do is receive. In fact, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. There's nothing you can do to get God to draw near to you except draw near to him and receive what he has for you. Receive. It's amazing. The first key to thanks living is learning to receive. Secondly, we, get, we, we rejoice. That's, that's just a natural response. We rejoice. Let me ask you, what, is your, what causes your heart to rejoice? You know, other than when the shockers win or when something like, you know, we get a raise at work or when something superfluous happens. What are, what are the important things that cause your heart to rejoice? What are those things? All right, that's good. Your wife, your family, me too. Anybody, anyone else say me too? What about a wedding? Everybody go to, you know, surely your own wedding. You rejoiced at your own wedding, didn't you? Isn't that amazing reason to rejoice? Somebody said, family, I had a good friend send me a picture last night of a brand new granddaughter. He's about to bust his buttons. 
We're going to have a, grand, a brand new granddaughter in just a little over a month. Lauren's going to have her third little girl sometime between Christmas and New Year's. We can't hardly wait to meet her. Kathy, last night, Lauren and the girls and, and David were over our house, and the baby was, you know, jumping all over the place. Kathy had her hand on Lauren's stomach, just giggling with glee. Why? Because of the significance of a human life. And she's our granddaughter. The things that cause our hearts to rejoice. Have you ever noticed it's all about relationship? It's all about relationship. You know, other than my relationship with my Savior, as you've said, what makes my heart rejoice more than anything else is my bride. God says to God, when God created the earth, he made Adam and he made all the living things on the earth. And then he looked at Adam and he said, you know, this is not good. Because you're alone and you need some help. And so he calls the woman, the helper. In Hebrew, it's the, it's the word azer. It's the same word, by the way, in John 14 that God uses for the Holy Spirit. That's why I call Kathy the Holy Spirit's junior partner. <laughs> she fulfills that role quite well. You know what that word means? It means that it's the helper who completes what is lacking. That's why she's had such a huge job description over the last 34 years. <laughs> we didn't have to agree with that. <laughs> Maybe you're saying amen about your own life. Um, your own, it'd be, be, be true for me. It's amazing, isn't it, what God has given us and the, the reasons we have to rejoice. But the most significant relationship we have is with our Heavenly Father. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 7, 17 says, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. All through the Psalms, you can find those who are thankful and rejoicing. They're thankful and rejoicing. Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exults and with my song, I shall thank him. Rejoicing is recognizing that we have received amazing blessing from God. That's why I love gathering together with those of you here at Christ Church every week, gathering together to worship God, to draw near to Him as He draws near to us. So we, we receive and we rejoice, and thirdly, we respond. If you want to live a life of thanksgiving, thanks living, we have to receive and then we rejoice with all our hearts. And then we respond. Now it's our turn. Now it's our opportunity to respond, to, to, to live in a reciprocal relationship with our Lord and Savior. Now, now it's our turn. When Jesus was fulfilling his ministry in the Galilee area, he continued to do ministry and then move ever closer to Jerusalem, where ultimately, you know the story, he would enter Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and just a few days later be crucified for our sins and resurrected again. But as he's getting closer to Jerusalem, here's what happens on his way. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, 
He was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Let me explain. He, there's, a, there's a border road that goes between the area of Galilee where Jesus did most of his ministry and the area of the Samaritans where Jews didn't necessarily like to go. They did go there, but they didn't like to go there because the Jews and the Samaritans don't get along. But there's a border village here because there are people who have leprosy in this day and they have to live in places like this. They're relegated to areas where they cannot go and touch or be a part or be around anyone else. If you have leprosy, it's basically a skin disease. It's not what we think of as modern day leprosy. Anybody who has a skin disease in the first century is thought of as being a leper. They think they're contagious. They're going to contagious. They're going to uh, infect someone else. Therefore, you've got to live in a segregated place with other people who are considered lepers. What this means is nobody wants to be around you. Nobody, can, nobody wants to do anything with you. You can't eat a meal with your family. You can't celebrate Thanksgiving together. You can't even go to church. You can't go to the synagogue. You are completely cut off from God and you're cut off from your family and you're cut off from everybody else. The only people you can have anything to do with are other people who have leprosy. And that's what's happening as Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem. He's traveling on this road between Samaria and Galilee. In verse 12, he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance because they were required to met him, and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I love this. And when he saw them, see, most people don't even see lepers. They look the other way. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests, which would be a requirement for them to be re-invited to draw near to God. You have to show yourself to the priest, and he has to examine you and make certain you have been healed and cleansed and that you no longer have leprosy, and now you can go to church. Now you can go to your family. Now you can live in another village. Now you can live a life like everybody else lives. Talk about needing to hear from God. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he'd been healed, turned back, giving glory to God. See his response? He's shouting in a loud voice. He runs to Jesus. He fell at his feet, giving thanks to him. One of them. And he was a Samaritan. Pretty unusual for a Samaritan to run to a guy who he knows is Jewish. When Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? When no one found, was, was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up. And go, your faith has made you well. Notice there were ten lepers here. And all ten of them received, but only one of them rejoiced, and only one of them responded. Ten, when you see the number ten in Scripture, it's almost always the number of testing. 
It means there's a test happening here. There's no, there's no accident that there are ten lepers that Jesus encounters here. Ten is the number of testing. For example, when God sent Moses to Egypt to lead his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and to the promised land, do you remember how many plagues there were? I sort of set it up for you. There were ten. Ten plagues. It was a test. Will you let my people go? Will you be responsive to me? And after the tenth plague, which was the death of the firstborn, other than for the people of God who had the blood of the lamb over their doors, he let God's people go, didn't he? Immediately afterwards, they leave Egypt and into the Sinai region, and Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai and gets how many commandments? Ten commandments. It's a test. The first four commandments are how to be in relationship and how to stay in a growing, healthy relationship with God. The next six commandments are how to be in relationship with one another and how to stay in a growing, developing, healthy relationship with one another. It's a test. Will you or will you not? Tithing is a test. The reason it's a tenth is it's a test. When God says, return to me the portion that belongs to me and trust me to live on the remaining 90%, he says, test me in this and see if I'm not going to be faithful to you. It's a test. When you read the book of Malachi, we'll read a passage there in just a moment. But first, let me tell you what's going on in the book of Malachi. Malachi is a prophet who gives a message to God's people that isn't a very pleasant message. He gives them a message because they have not been faithful. They haven't kept the Ten Commandments, and they've broken every other commandment they can think of too. Now, they're going through the motions, and God is almost sick to his stomach. He says, you make me sick. He says to them, why do you do what you do and think you won't think I don't know? Why do you, why are you, what are you thinking? Even the priests are involved. You know, we said earlier, God didn't need our sacrifice, but he wants us to draw near to him. They were stealing sacrifices. They were bringing lambs that were going to die anyway. The lame, the sick, the blind. Bringing, when they did do sacrifice, they'd bring some sick lamb that was going to die anyway and treat it as if it was a real deal. And God says, you're robbing me. Let's read it. In Malachi chapter 3, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, listen carefully. We already established the fact that God does not need our sacrifice, right? Everybody agree with that? And God doesn't need our money, does he? No, that's not what's going on here. What we're robbing God of when we don't bring the tithe is we're robbing ourself and we're robbing God of relationship. We're robbing him of the fullness of the relationship that he wants to have with you. If 
robbing me, he says. And you're cursed with a curse. This is, that's, the, that's the consequence for you robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me. Here's where, it, here's where he says it. Test me in this. It's the only place in the Bible. The only time. In fact, God says, don't ever test me in any other way. But you can test me in this. You can test me. You can see that when you bring your tithe, the first, the first tenth, when you bring the tithe to me and devote it to me, what you're saying to me is you're devoting your entire life to me and you're trusting me that I am going to provide you with every resource you need. I'm going to I'm going to let you take the other 90% and I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to bless you. He goes on to say, test me in this. If I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Those are the words of God. He says, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of, your, of the ground or of your vine or the, the will not in the field will cast its grapes. What's he saying? He's saying, I'll not only provide for you, I will protect you. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that from God. I need that. I need to receive God's provision and I need to know that God's protection is with me. That's what Pastor Israel knows. That's why he's so full of joy and thanksgiving. It's because he has God's provision and he has God's protection even while he's on his phone. He films the missiles flying by his front door. And he says, and all the nations will call you blessed. And you'll be a delightful land says the Lord of hosts. See, tithing is a response test. If you have your outline, fill this out. It's a response test. It's a thanksgiving test. It's a thanksgiving test. Will you and I receive, rejoice, and respond and live a life of thanksgiving? Drawing near to God as He draws near to us. It's a faithfulness test for us. Will we be faithful? Will we trust God and His faithfulness to us and return to God what belongs to Him? And thirdly, it's a relationship test. It's what every instruction that God has given us is about. It's about relationship. Will we honor God and draw near to Him as He draws near to us? Will we live in relationship with Him as a son or as a daughter? <clears throat> worship team is going to come up and prepare to lead us in one more worship song. And as they do, I, I want to share something with you that's really important, I think. I shared this with the 9 o'clock service as well. Everybody, everybody look here for just a second. Every week, as we gather together here in this place and worship God, we spend time in worship, 
and in prayer and in the Word. And we see what God's Word has to say to us. To us as a family, to us individually, to us as a community. And then, and then it's our turn to respond, just as we've been saying. We receive, we rejoice, and we respond. And every week, I say to you, I want to invite you, if you're feeling prompted, if you want to come and pray about anything at all, I want to invite you to come and pray. And it's an opportunity for us to pray for one another. It's an opportunity for us to experience being ministered to and praying for whatever the need is. And here's what I want to say to you about that. Some of you are hesitant to come because you're fearful of what somebody might think if you come and pray. Well, I just want to tell you what we're thinking. You know what we're thinking when you come and pray? Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what we're all thinking. God, provide for everything they need. God, bless them as they come. God, move in their life. God, speak to them. God, lead them. God, reveal your love to them. God, provide for everything they need according to your riches and glory. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Isn't that true for everybody? We're all praying for one another. Now, I'm not telling you this to manipulate you or to guilt you or shame you. I just want you to know you don't have to be ashamed and you don't have to feel guilty and you don't have to feel uncomfortable. I just want you to know what we're thinking because we love you. And we want you to know God's presence and work and his power and we want to minister to one another. And that's why we do a prayer time during a song, at the end of every service. So would you stand with me and pray with me, Father? As we prepare this time of ministry, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you will draw every, every man, every woman, every young person to yourself. Help us to minister to one another, to lay our burdens here at your feet, and to receive from you what you have for us. Holy Spirit, draw every person to yourself today. In Jesus' name. Let's come and pray and minister to one another and worship together.
for you and Kathy. Okay. I guess I'll just pray for you. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Father, I lift Dennis up to you at this time. Thank you for Dennis. We thank you for Christ Church, Lord. Yes, Father. Thank you. Heading into one of the busiest times of the year, one of the holiday times when there's so many things that can be done. I would just ask that you would point out to really devote Dennis and I. You would make it clear what it is that we should do. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Guard against his heart, guard his mind. Yes, Lord. Protect him from dark forces and negative people that would attempt to burden him or obstruct him as he serves you. Bless him and his family. family. Ask for blessings for his soon-to-be new granddaughter yes, and for his Thank grandchildren that he already has. Thank you, Lord. Father, through the Spirit, granted continued wisdom and discernment that all that he says is the truth and all that he does is in your perfect yes. will. Yes, God. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Thank you. Love you, bro. Thanks, brother. Father, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us. so undeniable I can, can hardly I can hardly think as you call me, deeper still as you call me, deeper still as you call me, deeper still into love, 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 you call me, deeper still as you call me. As you call me, deeper still into love, love, you're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and love you, who I am, it's who I am. Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who I am, it's who I Is there lunch here for those who want to stay? Perfect in all of your ways, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Is there lunch here for everybody or no? For the, the ones that want to help uh, decorating? Is there lunch? Yeah. Available? You are perfect in all of your ways. 
I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. So good to be together, isn't it? to draw together and draw near to God as he draws near to us. If you'd like to stay and pray for a while and, or if you want someone to pray with you, please do that. As God's moving in our lives and working in some wonderful ways. Uh, remember to leave your prayer cards and connection cards in the boxes or if you're new, turn right. We'd love to give you a gift before you leave. Also your tithes and offerings, leave those in the boxes as you leave today. And um, also... Uh, there will be a group here immediately after this service that will be spending time decorating the building in preparation for our Christmas celebration through the month of December. If you'd like to stay, there's lunch here for that. If you'd like to stay and join in the fun and fellowship, we'd love to have you stay and help out. So please do that as well. Um, Father, as we, as we bow before you now, we thank you for what you've said to us for the ways you've reminded us for the ways you've drawn near to us thank you God that your promises are always true that your word is always faithful to be fulfilled in our lives we pray you'll continue to do and complete the work you've begun here today and Lord lead us now into this community into our workplaces and neighborhoods and schools to be the sons and daughters of God that you've called us to be. Help us to be sons. Help us to be daughters in whom you are well pleased. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a great week. God bless. Be thankful. <clears throat>